well, Marcy, of course. He's always threatening to leave. But then somewhere between the house and the Dodge, he realizes he'd have to break in a new toilet seat. <laughs> Damn, I never thought he'd think of that. <laughs> Let me call you back. So where do you think you're going? To live the life I should have had. <laughs> so what corner will you be washing windshields on? Wouldn't you love to know? Just go. Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a open? No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. Welcome back to the Merry to Children podcast. Uh, one of the last ones us Team Australians will be doing. Not, not, don't despair, this isn't our last episode just yet. But yes, uh, back down here in um, sunny, once again, Australia, drinking some West Ends, uh, Swan Lagers, and various other beers. And today, the Merry to Children podcast is reviewing Season 11, Episode 15, Breaking Up is Easy to Do, Part 2. My name is Matt... And I'm just about to lose my hearing from the 8.15 coming in from Bangkok. Oh. Well, you could join me, Matt. I'm just lying here, and my top button may or may not be open. Hi, I'm Carl, also known as Mr. Wildcat. Um, it's been a long time, guys. And speaking of time, look at this lovely Mr. Wildcat cuckoo clock. It's 12 o'clock, bitch! <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, Carl, a.k.a. Mr. Wildcat, thank you for joining us. I'm coming here all the way from Arizona, down here to Australia for, for us this week. It is so nice to meet you guys finally. Same here. Same yes. Here. Nice to meet you too. And it's about time that we had you join us in, uh, specifically and, and just join us more in general. Thank you. All right. So, as, as already mentioned, uh, this is Breaking Up is Easy to Do, Part 2 originally aired on the 24th of February 1997 as a part of a one-hour block. It was aired right after part one finished. Uh, It was taped one week afterwards on the 24th of January 1997. And a good friend at IMDb have this summary to say about this episode. Uh, Again, from our friend Tony Topola all the way over in the frozen land of Finland. Al makes true of his threat to move out. What about custody of the two TVs? The kids out leaves to Peg. In foresight, he has hidden the nest egg in a secret compartment in the toilet seat. Peg becomes depressed, but the kids decide to find themselves a new stepdad. Marcy is ecstatic of Al's departure and has another plan to cheer Peg up. Meanwhile, Al is trying out the bachelor lifestyle complete with a new look. Uh, yeah, that's actually a pretty decent IMDb summary. Yeah, it doesn't waffle on too much. No, it's actually, you know, actually relevant to the show itself. So obviously, Tony DePaul has actually, you know, watched the show. Maybe, maybe even listens to the podcast. Yes, and uh, guesting on this episode today, we have uh, Alan Thicke as Bruce, Lisa Melilli as Sandy, Rosa Blasi as woman number one, Mandy Levin as woman number two, 
Irene Rosine as woman number three, and Krista Shobe as guy and bar, and not forgetting Hal Sylvester as Gwen. As we mentioned last week, the episode title was inspired by the song Breaking Up Is Hard To Do by Neil Tzedaka. We talked about that last week. So this was originally shown as a one-hour episode. However, in syndication, or as Australians call it, reruns, um, when it's split up into two different parts, part, part, um, uh, two, part two um, starts with a cold open, as season 11 does, but this time the cold open is entirely dedicated to the recap of part one. The bad news is Al and Peg are breaking up. Don't worry, Mom. We'll never leave you. Good news is George Clooney eats your heart out. Al Bundy's single again. Hey, you wanna dance? Married with Children's 250th episode. A one-hour special Monday at 9, 8 Central on Fox. Actually, when it first aired here in Australia in 1998, as all of season 11 did, they aired all three parts as one special episode. And it got really confusing when I originally transcribed some of these episodes because they would put commercial breaks wherever they wanted to and there was no uh, opening credits for the second two episodes and there were no closing credits for the first two. So I had to pretty much guess where the <laughs> the act started and finished. I think I got them pretty right. I mean, they snuck in another commercial break where I didn't expect one, but um, it was pretty easy to find out. But it's just interesting to watch them as they were intended and when I finally got... DVDs or reruns on cable. Nice, nice. So, now, uh, you mentioned that season 11, Annabelle, was on here in 1998. When did we get season 10? Uh, did we get that in 97, or did it just uh, let Married with Children off in 97, and that was on in 96? Well, I don't remember a whole lot in 1997, Married with Children-wise. I think it must have been maybe at the first half of the year. Because um, uh, I remember watching season 9 after school, and... They would burn that off in the afternoons, and I assume um, season 10 continued on from there. And then they just had a lengthy break because either they didn't want to show it or they didn't think anyone was watching it anymore. But, of course, that was right around the time where I became a super fan. So it's I'm <laughs> always late to the party. So about 1996, I got into the show, and it was still on TV fairly regularly. So I think season 9... And then 10 had started. And then, yeah, I don't remember a whole lot of the end of season 10. Um, so I, I can't even tell you if I even saw those first go. And then, yeah, had to wait at least 18 months or so for season 11 to come on. Oh, that, that makes sense. And it sounds like um, when you saw season 9 after school, it may have been um, in reruns, given you said after school. It sounds like it was in the afternoon, not exactly the evening, so it could have been in reruns. Yeah, the reruns. So they used to show the, at 3.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> um, I remember seeing a lot of season 9 that way. Um, but, yeah, it would have aired at night sometime. Nice, nice, nice. Uh yeah, so those are the various openings, but the one on the DVD, as I mentioned, uh, is just a short, brief recap, a typical American sitcom recap of what happens in a multi-part episode in the first one, for those who missed it last week, or especially back when you know you couldn't you could only just tape it off a VHS, um, may not remember the fine details. Previously on Married with Children. But the actual episode opens with Peg on the phone and Al in his um, Polk Kaif shirt taking a toilet seat. But don't take anything out of this house. Well, I did kind of want the couch, but then your butt would have to go, too. <laughs> Wait a minute, what am I thinking about? You mean toilet. 
Yes, but this isn't all in the family, so <laughs> you almost think I'm reviewing that show. You notice Al, or Ed O'Neill, I should say, has got a very wicked cold. Or his voice is shot anyway. Yes, yes. Uh, well, obviously, I mean, at least he was able to do it. Who knows? Uh, maybe he, maybe his sense of show was ending. Maybe he didn't like the episode. Who knows? Any, any, any thoughts on that, Carl? He was. Uh, I never even knew his voice was out, out but like, uh, based on where we are in the series, like, the series is pretty much coming to an end, and I think he's pretty much run out of gas by this point. Yeah, much like the show itself. Because. <laughs> I think I think a lot of people would get sick of playing the same characters after that many years, and maybe Ed just wanted to try something new at this point. It had been exactly ten years from this point, like when the show, uh, by the time this episode um, hit, first hit the air, we're looking at about just under ten years um, from when he first started it. So, like this episode first came out in February of '97. And the show first started in April of 87, so like, it's about 10 years. Like, I think he was ready to start something new by this point. I think he was, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, so maybe the... I mean, obviously, it deserved a far better ending, but that, we'll save that for, um, well, when um, whoever... It, well, when, when, when the podcast comes to reviewing those episodes. But yes, we'll save that for then. Uh, I just want to briefly say, I forgot to mention, in the first... The end of part one... Um, well, because it was because it was what you would call it uh, a hour long episode originally it has has no applause at the end. I forgot to mention that. Mm, I think we either Stefan or I mentioned that. I can't remember now, but it it was it was it was acknowledged in some way. I'm not sure if it was recorded though. <laughs> okay, but I just want to make make mention of that because I forgot yeah. actually forgot this was a one hour episode because this, the silence at the end reminded me of a season three episode of All in the Family, which ends in, with an explosion at the front of the bunker house and no applause. We're talking about part one, right? The end of part one, yeah. Yeah, because I know like. I wound up watching a part one before reviewing, uh, before coming on to do part two as well, so we can get an idea of where we're getting ourselves into. And basically, like, um, it, it just sees Peggy walking halfway out the therapist's office, and that's when it comes to an end. And looking at it now, like, uh, when the show um, basically, um, like, like you guys mentioned before, like this was a this was a back to back episode. So I think. It, um, in order to cut it, in order to find a way to cut it in between for like syndication or reruns, that like that's why um, it didn't have an applause because it uh, originally wasn't supposed to end right then and there. Yeah, that's certainly plausible. You just think that some, most episodes, even Act One, has applause for the most part, but I think it's partly what you said, and also I, maybe it's their attempt to give it a bit of weight to the scene, to the situation. But even based on the situation of that scene, too, like it, it, I don't think it was appropriate for them to have an applause because it was a sad moment that the two of them were walking out on each other. Yes, yes. It's a real downer, by the way. <laughs> it is, it is. Uh, so back to this part, part two. Uh, I'm, I'm sure one, at least one of you noticed. You notice there's snow outside of the um, Bundy house, so it's obviously meant to be in winter. Perhaps, perhaps symbolising the um, sad, dark nature of what's going on with Alan Pegg. Yeah, and the because I've got the episode frozen on my screen um, of the Jiggly Room. Uh, there's a lawnmower in the backyard to the left, and it's covered in snow. I was more focused on Lucky, actually, because he looks very cute there. 
But alas, Lucky has no line, sadly. But yes, couldn't have been noticing. Um, they deliberately made it look like winter outside, given the snow and all that. Well, it would, was February. True, but often they, they don't always do that in the ones that air in winter. Yeah, and you, and if you, it makes me think of um, the Anthrax episode, Dinner with Anthrax, where it was snowing, and it was snowing so much that presumably the next day, all that snow had melted. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and also, didn't Owlet previously have a cushioned toilet seat before? I can't confirm. But yes, because he's carrying a toilet seat, which we'll know why very, very soon as to why he's carrying a toilet seat out of and moving out uh, to live the life that he should have had, uh, which is washing win- windscreens in which corner? Hmm. Wouldn't you like to know? Yeah, wouldn't I want to know? He wanted the, he wanted the couch, but... Oh, he had to take peg tag with him. Or just her butt. <laughs> that's a bit. That's a bit manic. That's a bit robotic. <laughs> hey, I I've, I know several people on the internet will be happy with just her butt. I'm sure you do. The internet is full of weird people. <laughs> <laughs> but they they're forgetting about the two most important things: custody. Oh yes, but um, hang on a second. Kelly and Bud are well over eighteen, so surely the custody's not an issue, right? I almost forgot the two most important things. What are we going to do about custody? Well, obviously they should stay with me. I'm the one who spends the most time with them. While I worked to put a roof over their heads but still had time to listen to their stories, to laugh with them, to cry with them. Yes, but who stayed up with them all night? Oh, God. I just don't think I can live without them. Well, me either. Well, we'll just have to split them. You take the little colored one. <laughs> I can't watch football on that little TV. Oh, no, I was Not talking about the TVs. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> Alkin had the little colored one. Hey, you can't watch the football on that. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of this episode, but I did like this joke, and I remember cracking up the first time I saw it. Like, you take the little colored one. I was like, whoa, what? <laughs> I'm like, all right. <laughs> Because uh, yeah, they, they think they, you think it's they're talking about the kids until that that line is mentioned. It's like, hey, what, what are they talking about now? Huh? I'm like, hang on, Bud's not black. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, given that the, the uh, Bund- given that the Bundys obviously wouldn't have had the latest of anything in the house, I imagine that TV would have been rather old. That's a tad. Dear, dear, dear. But it does bring up a point that, you know, these kids are well over 21 and <laughs> still living at home. Yeah, so yeah. But their, their custody is not an, is- not an issue. Yeah, and you can make arguments for why they're both living at home, but we just run with it. Exactly, exactly. Uh, I still... Do, do you think if the show lasted long enough, like 12, 13, whatever, do you think one of them would have eventually moved out of home? Mm, they would have come back for some reason, either... Frequent visitors still, but do you think, you know, perhaps the freshen up the show that we've had at least, say, Kelly move out of home, but her have her still frequently visit? Yeah, I don't see, honestly, I don't see her moving out. I see her, maybe she's not living there, but she's just always there and it's never spoken about. Or she's so stupid she can't find her way out. True, true, true. But yeah, yes, what could have been if there was more seasons, but yes. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I mean, Carl, do you think about what would happen if they'd done more seasons? Well, like, um, let's see. Based on... 
like I know Bud and Kelly have had numerous opportunities, um, especially in the later seasons, to move out of the house with their date, uh, having rich dates and stuff. But like things unfortunately did not work out, and they wind up stuck at home. Um, let's see. I'm I'm not really sure. Like they probably would have found some way to just keep the but the Bundy kids at home, unless they um, even if they did get married, they probably um, they'd probably still live at home. <laughs> yeah, probably. Like, if Bud were to get married, like, he uh, would basically be living with his wife in his in, in the basement. Yeah, I, I can honestly see that. Of course. Carl, yeah. do you watch um, The Connors, the Roseanne reboot? I unfortunately do not. Okay, it's just interesting to see, you know, a similar show from a similar time. That's brought back, and they've had to find ways to keep everybody together. And because it's it can be a very depressing show... You know, with Darlene, for example, she's living with her father, uh, but she's now starting to move out. But Becky's living in the house as well with her child. So there'll be some reason why they can't leave home. And realistically, nowadays, it's because no one can afford to live anywhere else. But now they're all staying to help out their widowed father. But And then, incidentally, of course, he's now married to Peg Bundy. I still can't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> But the new season of The Connors is about to start and they're writing out DJ completely. He's barely on the show, but he's actually um, being let go. So if they can't have someone living in the house, they don't know what to do with that person, it seems. So do you know how how they're going to write out DJ just out of interest? No, not yet. We won't know until the the show starts about... It would have started when this episode drops, if not before. So I can't speculate on that until we know what's going on. But I'm curious... Yeah, you'll find that soon enough, that's for sure. I just hope they update the opening credits. End of story. Yes, yes. <laughs> anyway, just a tangent. Just a tangent. Because uh, speaking of the kids, they Kelly and Bud enter, and uh, yeah, they're a bit out of sorts, I think. Yeah, Kelly looks more confused than usual. I know, hey, uh, but why is she confused? Hmm. See, this episode isn't isn't that memorable for me, so I'm trying to remember why the kids are conf- Kelly's confused. She's probably never encountered something like this before. True. No, uh, probably like me, she thinks that her parents are going to stay together forever. True. I mean, uh, well, obviously, like, I mean, because uh, on, on a bit of a real life tangent, uh, yeah, obvi- I mean, I'm at the point where I've got a few friends of kids, and uh, well, sadly, one of the, one of the couples of kids in my friendship circle was have sadly got uh, divorced, and uh, well. Um, I hate to base the bubble out, but that it, it, is, it, it, is, it, it isn't always the mum who gets the kids. I mean, in real, real life, one of a couple, the couples are splitting. Looks like dad's probably going to get the kids. Hmm. So that burst your bubble, Al. What's going on? Nothing much. Your mother and I are breaking up. Take care of yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to write or uh, color me a pretty picture. Hey, why do I get them? That's the natural order of things, Peg. You birth them, suckle them, take care of them. We hunt. (laughs) Al Bundy, you are making the biggest mistake of your life. Not only because you are a brainless, spineless, soapless idiot, but because you have no money. I like how Peggy is like, wait, why do I get them? Like, (laughs) so disgusted. Now, of course, Al wants to be on his own and just wants Bud to, you know, carry his stuff to his car mm. and push the Dodge. Mighty Hunter. Mighty Hunter. 
and uh, I mean, see, the thing is, even Al's money money sources aren't even, aren't safe in that house. So is Al right that all husbands, let's just say all men, do they have their hidden little nest eggs? Well, I'm very much single and uh, I live on my own, so there's kind of no point for me to have a hidden nest egg, Annabelle. <laughs> just wait till you get your next girlfriend. Oh boy, I'm worried <laughs> now. <laughs> I'm single myself too, man. So like, um, I, I'm like, uh, there's no need for me to like hide my nest egg from a- any girl. I'd ask my husband if he had a hidden little nest egg, but he wouldn't tell me if he did or where it was, would he? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised that my father has a hidden nest egg from my mother. <laughs> Not that my mother would go spending it on him. Yes, yes. <laughs> but yeah, Al has money here. Money hidden, let's see, uh, in the vacuum cleaner, Bud's mattress of all places. But there's one place that Peggy couldn't get to it. We husbands always have our hidden little nest eggs. Yes, and we wives always know about that little nest egg. You know the one you hid in the vacuum? I bought a new dress. And I found all the quarters that you hid in Bud's mattress. (laughs) So that's why my mattress was so lumpy. I kept dreaming that I was sleeping on tiny little breasts. That jingled. Well, you got me, Peg. All my little hidey holes have been found out. Except this one! <laughs> the toilet seat. And this is how I learnt that this is the reason why, why men lift the seat. So we can get to our money. <laughs> yes. Yeah, about to say, when you come to visit Perth Annabelle, yes. If it, yes, you can do I'll prove to you I do not keep money under mine. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you're going to prove you do not lift the seat. <laughs> <laughs> It always made me wonder, like, um, that wad of cash you see in there, like, I wonder if, if that was the only amount of cash that he had in there, or if he had more cash hidden all over the, in, in, in hidden compartments all throughout the entire uh, toilet seat, like they did in Easy Rider when they, um, I don't know if you guys ever seen Easy Rider, but, um, okay, at the very beginning of the, at, at the film, uh, Peter Fonda and Dennis Hopper, like, they, they, they wound up getting a big wad of cash from a drug deal. Um, and they wind up um, hiding it in these little tubes, and they scuff it inside their gas tank. Mm. Mm. Right, yeah. It kind of reminds me of that. What what they didn't bring up was Al's little hidden nest egg in, buried in a shoebox in the backyard way back in season four. Yes, yes. Uh, definitely uh, a big omission there. Yeah, it's just a, a, a trend that we've noticed, Carl, with season 11. The writers will think up things but they'll forget to acknowledge something that has happened before or has it's something a, a bit more uh, an obvious callback to something that's happened in a previous season just an example of the new writers perhaps not knowing the entire history of the show for example that's what i was going to say because they even though they brag about how they've locked that they studied the show in college and they uh, have worshipped the show um, throughout the years. Like, they don't remember those exact details from certain episodes. Yes. I mean, admittedly, it was a bit harder to do back in the 90s. And I forgot to mention earlier, while this was directed by veteran Married to Children director Jerry Cohen, this was written by relatively new Married to Children writer Russell Marcus, so who joined later on in the series. So, I mean, I like to think Mar- Marcus had seen some of the... Um, older episodes before he joined the show, but uh, very much was a writer in the, late, in the later years. 
Oh, there we are. Writer. Yeah, his first writing credit on the show wasn't until 1995. Hmm. Yeah, early season 10, I think. Yeah, it was actually user-friendly from season 9. Oh, there you go. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, the fact that he didn't join the show until late in season 9 meant that he mainly didn't seen some of the earlier ones. Yeah, it's just odd to have a, a whole episode about Al's hidden shoebox and then have another new hidey hole that we never knew about. That's okay. That's all right. Sitcom logic, sitcom logic. Uh, but the point is, Al has the money, which means he can finally get out. So how much money was in that toilet seat? $100 bills. There was definitely at least $300 there, but it's hard to see how much money is actually tucked away in that hole. Mm. Yeah, it looked like there were a couple $100 bills in there. Um I wouldn't be surprised if it was at least five to five hundred to a thousand dollars, which went a bit further back then. Because I'll just um, turn it into Australian money as we do in, in, in our shows, Carl. Let me just inflate it according to US standards because theirs is different to ours. All right, nineteen ninety-seven. Let's say he had a grand. Let's be generous to Al. That's one thousand eight hundred forty-five dollars ninety-six cents in modern American money, and in dollar dues down here in Australia. That would become, he would have $2,705.93, which, hey Al, if you're interested, you can pay former mortgage payments for me with that. <laughs> mm. <laughs> mm. So Al managed to, you know, Al manages to, well, get 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 out of the house, uh, but once he leaves, Peggy Peggy isn't um, Peggy isn't um, coping too well, is she? That's putting it mildly. She's not. She's basically the worst she's ever looked in the whole series. <laughs> yes, stringy-haired loser. We want to send a special home shopping hello to Peggy Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time, Peggy. And speaking of time, look at this lovely Martin Lawrence cuckoo clock. <laughs> Isn't that cute? The second hand has a gun. <laughs> It's three o'clock, bitch. Hey, Mom. How you doing? No, not bad for over-the-hill, discarded, stringy-haired loser. I don't think your hair looks that stringy. I'm alone. Don't worry, Mom. We'll never leave you. Oh, stringy, yeah, see, stringy head, yep, she's deflated, uh, yeah, it's definitely a stringy, stringy head loser. Yeah, I definitely can't think of any other time where Peggy has been like oh, this. Oh, also over the hill and discarded, so she, even at home shopping isn't cheering her up. Well, she can't shop because Al's got all, all the money. Of course. Yeah. Because <laughs> her money reservoir's dried up. Yeah, that's what she's really said of it. But you know, you know what I like about this scene? Look at the phone. It's got a black veil over it. Oh, I didn't notice that. Good spotting. Yeah. Wow. Trust Peggy to dress up the phone like that. <laughs> the phone's in mourning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Peg always looks very put together and uh, well-coordinated and everything. In this case, I mean, they've had to go all out and get her another wig. So she really had to look disheveled. Yes, yes. Uh, 
We're not even a special hello sh- home shopping hello to Peggy Bundy. Uh, well, it's been a, a, a long time. It's obviously less than a week according for home shopping. Mm. They probably recognize the number coming in. They're used to her shopping all the time, and then when they realize uh, after so, after so long that they never heard from her, they say, "Hey, Peggy, you still there? We missed you." <laughs> yeah, they would have sent someone to to the house to check on her. Wow. Yes, yes. And speaking of the time, let's have a look at this lovely Martin Lawrence cuckoo clock. <laughs> Isn't that cute? The second hand has a gun. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting clock. May- hope it doesn't kill anyone. It's three o'clock, bitch. <laughs> Did you watch Martin? I'm too young to remember Martin. Oh, okay, fair enough. It's a well, it's a, another Fox show, of course. So they're referencing their own again. But, I mean, Martin Lawrence is still active. I was first born when Married Children first came out, just to give you an idea of how old so I am. 87, baby. So I, didn't, like, I, I never watched Married Children during its original run. I didn't, I didn't start watching it until around about 20 years ago. You, st- still started watching before I, uh, you still started watching before I did, Carl. I didn't start watching until 15 years ago. So you're like me. You're, you're, you're about age-wise, you're sort of in the middle between me and Matt. Because I'm only, I was a 91 baby. I was born uh, four days before um, Top of the Heap tra- was transmitted. And, and also before Kids, What Are You Gonna Do was transmitted. The much better episode to end 7th of April. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was born at the tail end of 82. So I'm, I'm yes, almost 40. And I would have been four years old when Married Children premiered. But yeah, in America, but here, um, I would have been a little bit older. I mean, I could have watched some of these really early episodes when I was really young and not realised it, it could explain a lot about the person I am today, but who knows? Yes, yes. And I, chances are you probably wouldn't have understood half of it. I mean, no. uh, I didn't understand half of South Park when I when I saw f- f- what first went through that when I was 13, 14, 15. Hmm. But Martin Lawrence, has he been mentioned on the show before? I don't think he has. Poss- oh, yes, yes. Season 8. He was an enemy. Oh, oh that episode. Oh. Uh. No! Your favorite no, episode of all no. time. No! <laughs> oh! I'm glad you see Martin, but here we sell hamburgers. <laughs> oh, yeah, that pile, that pile of rubbish. Yeah, we forget about enemies. <laughs> but also, um... In, it, it was very funny that you guys had to... Uh, the guys had to shoot down a whole bunch of alcohol just to get through that episode. That's <laughs> all I'm going to say about that. Well, in my defense, Carl, that, we recorded that on the evening of my 31st birthday back in April. So that was my birthday celebrations with the podcast crew. <laughs> and I was the host and I was the drunkest. <laughs> I was fine the following morning. <laughs> they, they, All the guys banded together and made me host it. <laughs> I'm going to need some liquor. And I was fine the following morning. I didn't even have a hangover. No, I didn't, because I keep drinking water throughout. Um, Smart move. Yeah. I mean, Martin was also referenced back in season eight in uh, How Green Was My Apple, when they don't have a TV. Oh, right. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's better than watching them act out Martin. <laughs> I can't get, I, I don't get, I, I'm not happy with him saying, I guts to have it. Guts to have it. I'm not, I don't, Matt, I don't think Martin was on here much, if at all. No, no, I don't think he was. Uh, I've n- never heard of it until tonight. Uh, I'll just look up when it was first on here, because it must have been on the same time uh, at this episode aired. Let's see, it was between 1992 and 1997, so I've never heard of it until today. Uh, let's see. Uh... 
Well, I know I know it mostly from Fox promos. So, yeah, it was on either the same night as Married with Children, or uh, at least started that way. Or um, Married with Children was its, or it was Married with Children's lead in. They were trying to use this show's popularity for for Martin. Or um, yeah, just one of those Fox shows, you know, with The Simpsons and, and Living Color. It was on for it was on for five seasons. Uh, so just to, just to fill you in, Carl. Uh, so we get most American shows here in Australia, but along with our own productions, we also air a lot of British shows. Some American shows don't make it over. Some don't. Some don't. A few don't sit well, but some just simply don't make it over here. One thing I will mention, like this, uh, this ties into the reference of the Martin Lawrence cuckoo clock. Apparently, Martin Lawrence had gotten into a lot of like mental health trouble during the. Uh, during his final year on the show, Martin, in May of 96, he was arrested and hospitalized after brandishing a loaded gun and running through oncoming traffic in the streets of L.A.'s San Fernando Valley, screaming obscenities and claiming that someone was trying to kill him. The incident was later blamed on exhaustion and dehydration, but two months later in July of 96, he was arrested again and after trying to carry a loaded gun onto a plane. Naughty boy. In addition, his Martin co-star, Tisha Campbell-Martin, filed a lawsuit against him in January of 97, citing sexual harassment and abuse in the workplace. I thought it ha- it, this had to be a reference to something other than him and the show, because I, I think I heard about something that was going on with him, and, re- and relatively recently, uh, Tisha Campbell was interviewed on ET or something and she was talking about how she doesn't really speak to Martin anymore and she's or she's just started to reach out to him again and but yeah there was yeah something troubling was going on back then this is what I found online because I was trying to find a reference to this cuckoo clock whether they just came up just made up on their own or if they're trying to tie in a reference to what had really happened yeah I thought it was the latter and um I didn't actually. I forgot to actually search for specifics. So thank you for that. But now I'm looking for yeah, because May eight. Well, published online originally in May of 1996. That's that's the one I found. But yes, another nice. I think the I think the final reference to uh, Martin Lawrence in this uh, in Married with Children. But yeah, so uh, I mean, it's back back to the scene with the well. Pick. Peg, Kel, and Bud in the, in the um, living room where Kelly's now in like a not quite green, more of a cyan teal. Uh, while trying to comfort, her, while trying to comfort the um, woman who was once asked, she was Ronald McDonald's mother. Kelly <laughs> and Bud, they're <laughs> Kelly and Bud, they're struggling to think of memories of Al. Good memories of Al. They're struggling. She really misses Dad, huh? Well, don't you? I mean, remember when he, uh, um. Oh, and the cute way that he, he, uh, um. Oh, oh, but then on Christmas when he used to, um. What the hell is she crying about? They can't seem to remember anything about him. Like, they're trying to figure out, like, first it was Bud, then it was Kelly, and then they try to remember something at Christmas. Is it, what the hell is she crying mm-hmm. about? <laughs> oh, ouch. That's brutal. Oh, I was going to say, what can I do about this? Mm, well, what can? Can he do? Stepdaddy! <laughs> That's a bit more, but I mean, your mother's still grieving. Maybe she's not ready for a stepdaddy, so to speak. Uh, I mean, I've got a stepfather myself. Coincidentally, my mum's first husband. They got back together the year after my own parents split, uh, funnily enough. Really? Yeah, yeah. My, my, my mum and dad split when I was five, and then my mum got back together with her first husband when I was six. 
Okay, that's interesting. They're still together to this day for the record. Oh, good. It's a bit, uh, I don't know, speaking of British TV, but that show As Time Goes By with Judy Dench. Oh, yes, I remember it. I remember seeing that, that when I was um, a boy on the ABC when I was young. I never really got into it because I, I think I was a bit young for it. But not sure. I haven't seen it in years. I'm not sure what I think of it now. Well, it's a good show. It's, it's one of those more gentle um, comedies, but they've got some really, really funny episodes. But it, it's just a, a nice show. You know, where the two leads, they meet again after 40 years or whatever it is. You know, they were sweethearts. He goes off to war. She marries somebody else. Her husband dies. And then now and they meet, just happen to meet again all these years later. And she's got grown up children or, and et cetera, et cetera. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, but yes, uh, that takes me back to primary school. I remember... If I recall correctly, my nan and pop, my mum's parents, uh, that, that, I remember, I think they were fans. I remember at least seeing bits of it at their house. Mm, yeah, it's that kind of show, that kind of speed. <laughs> I love, we keep getting way off track. <laughs> Shows how yeah. gripping this episode is. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, thank, thank goodness for things related to the episode. But, well, Peggy's still down in the dumps, but someone's happy. Yes. Yeah, someone's very jubilant and gay. Marcy. Bundy's gone away, I'll have a gag free day. It always pays to pray, I've never felt so gay. <laughs> My life is over, and you're setting off fireworks? Well, actually, that was Old Man McGinty and the rest of the block. <laughs> Oops, that reminds me, the parade's it too. <laughs> I am riding in the big shoe float. Everybody's gone away. I'll have a gig every day. It always pays to pray. I've never felt so gay. <laughs> I wonder how she likes saying that. <laughs> I bet she liked it actually, because uh, obviously you know her being an out lesbian. I bet she, I bet she likes saying that. Yeah. I've actually used that a few times in my life in the past. <laughs> that whole line. Well, replace Al Bundy with um, certain people. Is that- this person's gone away. I'll have a gag free day. Yeah, it works. It's catchy. It does. It works. And uh, oh, apparently there've been fireworks set off uh, uh, by the um, uh, the last ever mention of Old Man McGinty. Yes. And we just heard about the McGinty family in the Christmas episode. Yes. But this is the last time they get mentioned for the whole show. Wow. So just super quickly. We've got this episode, working backwards. We've got this episode. We've got God Help Ye, Merry Bundy Men, A Bundy Thanksgiving, A Little little Off the Top, Wedding Repercussions, Buck the Stud, Hot Off the Grill, Here's Looking at You, Kid, and we're taking liberties here, but we also include You Better Watch Out, the first Christmas episode. They say Ginty, but we like to fan wank that it's McGinty, and they just made a mistake. Yeah, let's face I think there was a t- typo or to just change the name later on, but I'm pretty sure that's referring to the same family because people don't tend to move around much in the in the Bundy's neighbourhood. <laughs> yeah, thinking about it, over the course of the series, the only people who've moved in have been, well, obviously Steve moved out, Jefferson moved in, and then Amber, Amber moved in for a bit. Yeah, I mean, we don't get much of Marcy's family. I mean, we are about to meet another member of her family in a few episodes' time, but... Yeah, not a whole lot goes on, really. No, not a whole lot goes on at all. Uh, but yeah, so while Marcy, you know, she's figuratively settling off fireworks, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it seems that the whole neighbourhood is grateful that Al Bundy has moved, finally moved out after over t- 
well over 20 years at this point. Marcy might also be happy that Al's not around to comment on her current hairstyle. Oh, true, true, because he would have given her a grilling. Because <laughs> I don't know what's going on with her hair at the moment, but yeah, it's not great. She started the season so well. It's like, why do you think so low? <laughs> oh, ouch. You mentioned Steve, Matt. And I did. We get a Steve reference in this episode. Oh, I must have missed that. Uh... And that's, yeah, that's the last Steve reference. See, you've got your whole life ahead of you. It's your turn, girlfriend. <laughs> Gee, Marcia, I'm starting to feel better already. Good. Now you should do what I did after Steve left. Pick up men at the airport? <laughs> after that. Is this Al's? Uh-huh. Oh. <laughs> you try. <laughs> I do feel better. Because the last, I reviewed a Kiss of the Coffee Woman with Chris and Luigi back in season ten, and we mentioned that that we felt that that was the last Steve reference when Marcy and Alan on the couch. Said, Jefferson's getting famous, and more and more women are throwing themselves at him. And before you know it, he'll be gone. I'll be all alone. It'll be just like when Steve left. We thought that was the end of the Steve references, but I never caught this one. Yeah, because I was thinking, no, 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 there's one more. There's got to, yeah, there's definitely one more. He's not mentioned a lot after he leaves, but, I mean, for the last time, but, yeah. I mean, the Kiss of the Coffee Woman, that does sound like the ultimate last Steve reference. But there's this one, I mean, it's just a casual reference, because Marcy says you should do what I did after Steve left. So I do applaud them for including the man that I would have thought they would have forgotten about. Yes, yes, I do give them credit for uh, put, put, putting a final reference to Steve. Putting a final reference to Steve in. Yeah, Peg says that Marcy picked up men at the airport. I'm kind of sad we never got to see that. <laughs> yeah, that would have been nice, but oh well. Cause yeah, I can see her doing it, but yeah, we never saw that happen. Well, you know, you can only do so much in an episode. Um, that's making you set, yeah. But that's something I would definitely like to see if the show gets a reboot. Yes, mm. especially in animated form, because that then that sort of then sets and locations won't be a restriction. Possibilities are endless. That's the thing, because animated shows the only restrictions is basically what the animators can draw. Yeah, especially nowadays with shows like Family Guy, they can get away with anything. Oh, tell me about that. Yeah, that's cesspit. Sorry, I'm not a fan. Not the biggest. I don't mind it, but I'm not the biggest Family Guy fan. So yeah. <laughs> Family Guy, believe it or not, actually got in a lot of trouble during its fir- during its first few years on the show. Like I cannot tell you how many times the show had been canceled during its f- first few years, and then like after the f- they they started Fox started throwing the show in random time slots so nobody could um, find the show, and then the show eventually disappeared for a few years. Until they got petitioned, saying, "Hey, the DVD sales are through the roof. It's finding a new audience on Adult Swim. We want this show back on the air." And they finally caved in. Ah, that that makes sense, Carl, because I remember it was off off between 2002 and 2005. It was um, I was in high school between 2004 and 2008, and uh, it was Family Guy was pretty big, um, especially amongst the more popular kids uh, when I was in high school. So the more popular kids and or people in kids. Ge- 
but cast in general tended to prefer Family Guy or Simpsons. It was more us nerds who preferred South Park. Yeah, I was a freshman in college when Family Guy first came back in 2005. I cannot tell you how many people, how many of my um, the people lived in the dorms that were watching Family Guy at the time. Oh, I bet there were quite a few. More than I can think of. Yeah, it was really, really popular, and here as well, as Matt said. Um, I think because it feels like a show that it's safe for guys to watch as well, that kind of thing. Kind of like Married with Children is. Um, what was going to say? I forgot. <laughs> um, something about the cancellation. Oh, yeah, we were talking about uh, this kind of thing with Stephen when we reviewed Bud on the Side. Is that with yes. Stephen? Yes. Um, that was Stephen, yep. Yeah, when they started screwing around with the time slot with Married with Children, and that's how you know they're trying to get rid of your show, trying to cancel you. So Fox hasn't got a great track record with this. I mean, it's all networks, not just Fox. We just happen to be talking about two different Fox shows. But yeah, uh, Family Guy, because of the DVD sales and everything else, when that came back, and, and Futurama had a similar thing that, that got cancelled and brought back, got cancelled and then got brought back, and it's going to be brought back again. Wow. That's confusing if you're Chirama, because, like, again, I remember it's, um being on, then going off, and then coming back on, and uh, but I forgot, uh, I did, don't remember, I, I lost track a bit when it came off and on again, because I remember watching Futurama when I was off, oh, I remember watching that a bit when I was a boy, but uh, it was a bit above me, my mum didn't really approve it, because it was a bit mature for me at the time, because I, oh, I think I was only nine or ten when I first saw it, so I didn't really get back into Futurama until I was 17, when I re- was re-watching it, because obviously Katie's a girl, isn't it? Hmm. And I think if you're into, you know, science and maths, you might get more out of it as well and just being, being a bit older. Yeah. I liked it a lot more when I was 17 because I obviously rewatched it when um, I decided to rewatch some of it because obviously Katie's a girl's in it. Yeah, that's how I knew. That's how I started watching Futurama from the very beginning. I mean, even before it began, they did a special on actually it aired on Sky News in, in the UK. And my, my British friend posted it to me on tape oh, on VHS. Right. <laughs> Ah, the good old VHS days. Mm. 1999. Never forget. So it's it's just a bit of a a trip to think that Katie Seagal could be involved in two animated shows, both reboots, fairly soon. Yes, pretty awesome. Anyway, (laughs) speaking of Peg's butt, she needs someone to rub her bottom, but she doesn't say rub my tushy. No, it's like the writers forgot to say tushy. It's like, you didn't really do your homework, guys, to this episode. Yeah, except for the Steve reference. They, yeah, they, a bit short. But she says it to Marcy, and Marcy's like, hmm, nah. Yeah. <laughs> She's not feeling that gay. No, and uh, and I don't think I don't even if Peggy was a lesbian, I don't think um Peggy would be Marcy's type anyway. No, it yeah, it's an odd mix. <laughs> I'm sure there's people out there who have thought about them together. I'm sure someone's written fan fiction. <laughs> oh. It kind of reminds me of this one episode of Seinfeld. I'm not sure if you guys have seen the show, but um, there was one episode where the, the, the Seinfeld game, they're out in the Hamptons. Kramer wants Jerry to put some lotion on his back. Who are you, Mrs. Robinson? I'll, I'll, put, I'll put some on you. No, no, that's not sweetening the deal. <laughs> <laughs> uh. We're not sure if that would... Be relatable, but whatever. Yeah, it's fine. 
But yeah, so what before we before we hit cut to the next scene, uh, Marcy introduces Peg to a former theft. 29-year-old Peggy who's never had a real paycheck. Yes, you have. Namely, smashing things of owls and then something that Marcy gave her. Mm. 29. Yeah, <laughs> younger than me. Yeah, right. And what is that pink thing that Peg smashes? I, don't, I can't really tell. Uh... Like a like an angel painted as a devil, something or other. A little holding a little... Probably a candle holder or something, but of course we've never seen that before, have we? No, no, no. Uh, they probably just got it from the charity shop for cheap just for this episode. <laughs> They're like, "This is ugly." Or somebody on the staff said, "Oh, you got you need something that needs smashing with a hammer. I've got the perfect item." Haha, <laughs> nice. But Marcy gave that to Peg. You know, I have always hated this thing. I gave you that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Marcy, this is really helping me out. Well, listen, after the buzz fades, just remember that wherever Al is, that ungrateful baboon will be feeling ten times worse. I'm trying to scope back, see what it was that they broke. It's like a... So there's the coffee mug. Oh, that's it. It's like a, a baby angel, possibly a small candle, or yeah. holding. Looks like it's holding a lump of dirt, but the screen's too small. Some kind of statue or something. Yeah, some kind of statue. But uh, the point is that Marcy gave that to the bun Peggy, um, and uh, she's not she's not pleased that she smashed it. Then of course Peggy apologizes, but then <laughs> smashes it again. <laughs> Typical <Yeah>. Peggy. <laughs> <laughs> But, so we see how Peggy's coping, but how's Al doing? And where is Al? Al is busy ripping off risky business. <laughs> unlike, unlike Alf and uh, Homer Simpson, he actually fails at ripping off risky business. And the song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it must admit, this is one of my favourite bits of the episode where he crashes into the wall. As I know, like in the uh, when uh, when the show re ran here in the states on FX, I think like fifteen twenty years ago, they uh, I remember them actually playing the actual Bob Seger song, "Old Time Rock and Roll." But then, if you were to watch it on DVD or if you watch it on Hulu stream, like I do uh, now, like they have some kind of uh, cheesy ripoff which I'm pretty sure they had to do for copyright infringement. Yes, because that's what it is on the DVD, because I've got the DVD version on my computer. But thank you for confirming that I am not going crazy, because I have heard the original song as well, and I can't remember where. But if you just bear with me, I'm just going to look at something, because I reckon I have an old, like a like an old TV rip, possibly, of the FX rerun of this episode. I swear I've seen it. And... I was shocked that they played the actual song. I'm like, oh, the music's going down instead of going up. And this is the real song. But yeah, all the other versions I've seen were this sound-alike version. Same thing happened in season nine with the episode Shoeless Ale. Like um, on, on the TV version, like you have some kind of, you have some kind of cheesy uh, parody of like when, Queen, when Queens, we are the champions and we will rock you. Like, 
the, those you, nor you see in its original format on Hulu and the DVDs, but on the actual TV version itself, it's got some kind of cheesy knockoff. Yeah, it was a long time before I heard the originals on those. Um, I do have both versions. Um, but yeah, that's a funny one because I've seen a couple of different versions, airings of both the original song and the cover and the covers um, more than once each. So there's so many copyright laws I just don't understand half the time. Some people, like different countries get different rules I I think yeah plus you're all, you're only allowed to you're only allowed to play a certain amount of length of an audio clip before you would have to pay for copyright so if it, if it goes over that then the, that's that's when the copyrights kick in yeah 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 definitely because I work in theater and we have to apply for rights anytime we want to use a popular song and if you they ask always ask for the duration and fortunately it's it's can be pretty cheap for the most part but if there's a lot of songwriters involved it's like oh my god what a nightmare yeah uh, i cannot find a version of this episode other than dvd although all right so uh so after the risky business fail uh we find al is in a, a new apartment uh <laughs> and when Jefferson and Griff come come over, looks like a well interesting bachelor pad for a rather sad, bad taste, a forty-something owl. Yeah, a new set. I know. Uh, yes, obviously meant to be his bachelor pad, complete with a bad taste and owl's bad clothes. But hang on. Well, while Jefferson and Griff are over, he's mentioning to them that you know. He's got a water bed, he's got pool, he's got free cable, and... It's conveniently located next to the Chicago O'Hare International Airport. Ah, my ears! <laughs> but no one can hear the plane. No one has complaints about the planes because I've lost the hearing! You got the moves. Oh, the runs. <laughs> I'll tell you what, this is the life. You know what I did today? I made breakfast. Peg lied. You don't have to make Pop-Tarts from scratch. <laughs> Pretty snazzy place you got here. Yeah. Vista Del O'Hare. <laughs> Used up my nest egg, but it's got a pool, it's got free cable, and it's conveniently located right by the... Uh... But the neighbors say they don't even hear the planes anymore. That's because they're deaf! See, that's the thing. I mean, uh, well, I mean, well, because we've got a few suburbs in, well, let's say, I, I couldn't live near near an airport in any city. Like, well, I think, because I think about the suburbs in my city near the airport, I could never live in any of those, for obvious reasons. I mean, I sure get used to it, but hey, uh, I don't want to lose my hearing like Grift almost does. Yeah, one, Matt, Matt, one thing I will tell you is that, um, this regards to airports and stuff. About ten years ago, like I didn't live in Tucson at the time, but like I lived up with my, my, my parents in Phoenix. And when I came down for homecoming at my alma mater, um, I wound up staying at this hotel right next to the um, right next to the airport. And miraculously, you could not hear any planes whatsoever. Oh wow, that's cool. They must have had a much better design than this apartment complex at Els crashing in. Well, the old apartment complex looks rather old. 
It must have been really cheap, but Al did say he used up his nest egg. Yeah, which wouldn't have been that much money, so he probably couldn't have, would have been able, able to afford a cheap place. Hmm. And if you guys have seen all those trophies in the back of in the, in the background of that episode, I'm, I remember when Al walked out the door on Peg, uh, the only thing he took with him was that one toilet seat. I'm not sure where he got all his other mementos from. He probably did multiple trips, you know. I mean, because uh, as long as Bud was able to push the dodge, he probably just did multiple trips. Hmm. Right, because we do see him. Well, we're not, we're not there yet, but... And he would just, he would just siphon gas off, Mar- off Marcy's Mercedes. <laughs> but yes, after the after we find out the waterbeds, which I'm not a fan of, come from Lake Michigan. Al, what were you thinking with that outfit, that orange shirt and green pants? That looks like a really bad one from the seventies. No, what was he thinking? And where were those clothes hiding? Yeah, well, to to be fair, Peggy probably knocked some sense into him and made sure he didn't wear them. <laughs> But that new look, your old black look, isn't really an improvement. Just don't know the hairpiece. You guys think I ought to get Marcy a waterbed? Yeah. May I recommend Lake Michigan? (laughs) 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 All right, all you babes in the Tri-County area, get ready, because Dr. Al is ready to operate. (laughs) Not dressed like that, you're not. We got to get this man a new look. Mm-hmm. Stat. <laughs> no, George Clooney. You're not fooling me, Al. You're not fooling me. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of the hairpiece either. It just looks stupid. I mean, who's Al trying to kid? Uh, I will say, with this set, uh, notice the collection of beer cans near the door when Bud walks in. And we'll say, I did like that collection of beer cans. Can't quite tell which ones there were there, but I did quite like that. I thought Al looked pretty nice in that hairpiece. Yeah, I couldn't tell which ones they were. And for, 19, and for a sitcom in 1996, the, the effects of the planes were pretty decent. Yeah, I just checked another version of the episode. I have uh, someone on the internet restored some episodes, but that had the replacement cough sound like music as well. So Dang. I'll keep looking. So has anyone ever made a Pop-Tart from scratch? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I mean... Uh... I don't mind Pop-Tarts, but I'm not the biggest fan of them. They were big in the 90s. We used to have them all the time. I remember you were saying in a previous episode they were huge back here in the 90s. Mm. Yeah, right around the time of this episode, in fact. Yes, never made Pop-Tarts from scratch. And, uh... <laughs> well, Bud's come over with some stuff of ours, which is... Is biggins, they'd be shredded into little ones. Hey, nice pad, Dad. Listen, <clears throat> Mom wanted me to bring over some of your stuff. Oh, look, she... She shredded my biggins into little ones. Oh, look on the bright side, buddy. It'll make a great jigsaw puzzle on a rainy day. Well, hey, if it was was March or April of 2020, Al wouldn't be complaining. He'd have a jigsaw puzzle to do. (laughs) All all that stuff in the bag that Bud tipped out seemed to be little ones. And a football. A deflated football. Yeah, ouch. <laughs> yes, nothing like a deflated football or soccer ball, whether it's from, um, you know, sabotage or overuse. Like when my friends and I were playing kickball in year 11, I, I brought my soccer ball in to play with, and yeah, one day it just burst. Anyway, so... uh us about Vista Delo here. 
Alright, so, uh, Vista Del O'Hare, uh, which is, uh, okay, so, which is a reference to O'Hare International Airport, uh, typically referred to as just O'Hare Airport, Chicago O'Hare, or simply O'Hare, much in the way Heathrow is just re re mentions Heathrow in London. It's an international airport located on the northwest side of Chicago, Illinois, 14 miles or 23 kilometers northwest of the Loop Business District, operated by the Chicago Department of Aviation, covering some 7,627 acres or 3,087 hectares. It's got non-stop flights, 228 destinations in North America, South America, Europe, Africa, Asia, and Oceania as of 2018. I'm assuming most of that would have been restored since COVID. COVID. I'm assuming most of that would have been restored. I think so. And George Clooney, for the two people who have not heard of him, is an American actor, film producer, director, and activist. He is the recipient of three Golden Globe Awards and two Academy Awards, one for acting in Syriana in 2006 and the other for co-producing Argo in 2012. In 2018, he was the recipient of the AFI Lifetime Achievement Award. And don't forget, he was star of that hit TV show, Err, as referenced last season in the Spring Break episode. Yes, so yes, for those who, um, as you said, have not heard of George Clooney, which would be very, very few listening to this podcast... Well, I could talk about Wonderbra. <laughs> oh, why, why not? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll that, take that one, shall I? Yes. Well, well, firstly, that's referring to Owl's pants, um, these black pants, which look only marginally better than those awful green ones. Just marginally, because, marginally, yeah, I mean, the black ensemble was okay, but the, the butt and... and not the butt and not the hair. No, no, no. Anyway, so what's a Wonderbra? Please tell. Well, a wonder bra, like a wonder bra for your ass. Um, well, a wonder bra is a type of push-up underwear brassiere that gained worldwide prominence in the 1990s. Although the wonder bra name was first trademarked in the US in way back in 1955. So yeah, it's just basically uh, a really good bra. Apparently, we don't, I don't think we have the wonder bra as trademarked as the wonder bra. I don't think we have that here but uh just as an aside in 1996 possibly late 96 around the time that season 11 was kicking off or possibly in between seasons 10 and 11 there was a victoria's secret commercial about a bra i can't i don't think it was a wonder bra but katie seagull was in that commercial and it i'm not sure if it aired in america but it certainly aired in germany because there's a, a german entertainment news program about it and she's talking about it and she's in that ad something about could this be the world's most perfect bra oh yes yes so yeah wonder bra trousers his biggins ripped in the little ones which uh, like i said would have come in handy if this was march or april of 2020 because al could just had a jigsaw puzzle <laughs> i will say briefly i mean one of the positives for the first COVID lockdown was um I was actually able to do my jigsaw puzzles because if that never happened, I don't think I, they would still be undone, most likely. Yeah, this is true. I mean, I, I don't have any jigsaw puzzles, but I didn't really have any time off. So, uh, but I would have found time to start a jigsaw puzzle at least. And I, and I, the older I get, the more I want to do a jigsaw puzzle. And when I brought, I bought my father a jigsaw puzzle for Christmas, I think a few years ago, and then I ended up doing it myself. Um, I think it was the Beatles. 
Our last one I did was when I was in Brisbane late last year with a mate over there. Her and I had fun doing that. Uh, yeah, I've got one I still haven't done, so if you ever make it over to Perth, well, how about we can do that one? Yeah, for sure. Get really, really drunk as well. <laughs> yeah, like enemies. Yeah! Yay! Or, or your wedding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, as long as I don't get Oktoberfest drunk, because that's the only time I've ever puked when it comes to alcohol. But there's one reference we haven't read yet, namely about the uh, Pontiac Firebird. Yes, well, sure. That scene. So, hang on. Maybe we should set up the scene first. Yeah, yeah, maybe when we get to that one, just notice that there. Uh... By the way, I'll just say, I've uh, just got um, the episode paused on my screen when Al's looking at Miss July's toe. And I'm just noticed with those three guys there and Bud, just how short Bud is. <laughs> <laughs> Not that he cares, but yeah, so Dr. Al is ready to operate. So they go to another new set. Yes, it appears to be, uh, looks like a sing- singles bar, yes, uh, where Peg, Kelly and Marcy are at. Kelly, you know, it amaz- looks amazing in purple, does a thing, walks off with some lads. You can see them in the back. You can see her and the guys in the background. Mm-hmm. Peg's wearing, well, she's back to her <laughs> normal wig. Usual self, yes. That's our Peg. And, and, and then speaking of pants, Marcy's wearing some bright pink pants. Mm-hmm. So if you didn't like Al's pants, how do you like these pink pants? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So Marcy says that it's the 90s and women are supposed to be the aggressors. Mom, you can't act so pushy. Kelly, it's the 90s. Women are supposed to be the aggressors. Yeah, they're losers. Look, all you have to do is sit back, unbutton a button, and they'll all come to you. That is just sick. You are setting yourself up for a domineering, sexually aggressive relationship. Well, duh. What do you suggest we do? Lie naked on the hood of a Trans Am out in the parking lot? No, not till last call. (laughs) Just watch and learn. I don't know if I agree with that entirely, but uh, she's being hashtag feminism, so why not? Well, she obviously predated predated Bumble by quite a few years. I mean, admittedly, part of the reason I haven't tried Bumble is because I can't make the first move. That's part of the reason I haven't tried Bumble. Okay, so you could just sit back and let them come to you. True. Could be worth a try. But yeah, I, I'm very, I'm, I'm, I consider myself fortunate I don't have to deal with these dating apps. I hear about horror stories from some of my friends. I'm just glad I don't have to deal with that. Yeah, I've heard plenty about Tinder. <laughs> I'm not even sure which, which, which way you swipe. Is it swipe right for the one you like? Right you like, left you don't. Right. Yes. <laughs> left, right, gotcha. <laughs> yes, Married to Children 2022 writes itself. So who else walks into the singles bar? It's Al Griffin Jefferson. And Al manages to strike up a chat with a bird, but he strikes out big time. He, he epically fails. And I totally recognise this girl. I say girl. I don't know how old she was back then. Younger than LVC Adonir was at the time. Uh, yeah. So... You're talking about the girl at the table. Yeah, the one at which Al was boring her with his, his football stories. Thinking, yeah, glory days from over 30 years ago ain't going to get it. Ain't going to do any favours here. Yeah, uh, this actress, uh, I totally recognised her. Um, her name's Rosa Blasi. And she was in a show called Strong Medicine. And that's where I know her from. <laughs> it was like 2000, 2002-ish, mm-hmm. 2005. 
but she was in that show. So she's still working today. She's in. She's got a lot of credits on IMDb. I won't go through them all, but she's still working. It seems. Oh, nice. That's good to hear. She was also in an episode of Modern Family, which I don't reckon remember her in it, but it's just worth knowing that. Well, worth acknowledging that she was in an episode of Modern Family, and the episode title is called Did the Chicken Cross the Road? <laughs> yeah. Mm, I don't know the answer to that one. Modern Family will have to tell me that. <laughs> it's nothing to do with Marcy either. <laughs> but one, one last point about this epic fail of owls is that we get to hear a little bit more detail about his infamous um, championship game, how he sprinted to the right of 75 yards at the middle of the field. Uh, not that, his, not that um, the, ch- the chick he was chatting up cared. No, but this is new information. Yes, yes. It uh, calls back to part one where Al can remember the ninth play of his championship game. But not nothing about Peg, yes, because that's what Al's memory's like. Well, as we know, and Kelly knows something, he knows every bit of useless sports trivia. He's basically a blight to a game show. Hmm. And then Kelly winds up absorbing all that information until she, until her ears go out like a kettle. I'm full. But that's okay, because she also forgot about Seven. Which is a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, well, okay, I mean, Al's, well, technically separated from Peg, so it's okay for him to be flirting, but Jefferson, what are you doing? Because obviously Marcy sees him, and yeah, he's, he's in a, he gets what he, he gets what's coming for him. Whoa, whoa, talk about your babe watch. Make way, boys. Lifeguard Al is about to do a little body surfing. <laughs> Traffic school, my ass. <laughs> I'll fix his ticket. Uh oh. You busted! Her bust? Yeah, yeah isn't it great? <laughs> I'll tell you, if Marcy had headlights like these, I wouldn't have to go to traffic school. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's supposed to be in traffic school, get himself out of a ticket. Traffic school, my ass. I'll fix his ticket. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I'll tell you, Griff, if Marcy had headlights like these, I would not have to go to traffic school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he deserved that punch. (laughs) Yeah, ending when he gets dragged literally across the floor. (laughs) By one leg. Well, I mean, not long before Al sees the couch monster. There was a bit uh, we just glossed over um, with Peg and Marcy. Marcy says maybe she should just go home and get into bed with Jefferson, and Peg says, well, I'll try anything once. (laughs) (laughs) I bet she would. They have a lot in common. But then she also checks out herself and Marcy. (laughs) (laughs) One of it I did, like, you know, that gorgeous redhead and that little blonde boy. (laughs) That's us, Peggy. They're not even that way from the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> oh, silly. Silly indeed, that's for sure. Uh, another thing, like, we, we glossed over, you know, Kelly's technique of picking up a guy. Or, in her case, several guys. All you have to do is sit back and unbutton a button. And that seems to have worked. But that reminded me of what I did for love back in season five. Because Peg says that Al used to be so passionate 
all she had to do was unbutton a button, show some skin, and he was ready. So yep. she really did pass that on to her daughter. Yes, she did. That was actually season seven, Annabelle. What'd I say? Season five. Oh, because I'm looking at 705. <laughs> of course! Yeah, it's season seven, episode five. Yeah, I meant season seven, but I'm looking at the number five, so I said five. It's easily, it's easily confusing. Oh, it is, because I was going to say 705, and I got the episode title right, and then I said the wrong season. It happens to the best of us. Don't sweat it. I like that episode, too. Yeah, especially at the end, where Peggy's trying to lure Alan to bed with a nice, juicy steak. Oh, yeah. Come and get it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, hmm? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So Peg does exactly that. She unbuttons a button, and it works. I never thought this could happen. I've actually met somebody as beautiful as me. (laughs) (laughs) You have a big ego. Matches my wallet and my car. Mm, Anything else? Yes, it works even better, just as well did for Kelly. Well, it's just one guy for her so far, but one guy in particular. Hey, Alan Thick, Haven't seen you in this show for a bit. (laughs) Great to see him again. Yeah, maybe he wanted to get rid of the the stigma of enemies as well. Yes. Comes back and plays a different character. Yeah, we obviously enjoyed working with the rest of the Married to Children cast, so yeah. Yeah, he must have gotten sick from writing all those game show themes over the years. He, he, <laughs> but, but, did you guys know that he actually wrote the original theme song to Wheel of Fortune here in the States? It was um, when the show first premiered in 75, and they used it until Wheel of Fortune went into syndication in 83. I'll have to send you um, a copy of the actual theme song. We had a very different theme song for our version of Wheel of Fortune here in Australia. We had the same theme, just re-recorded in the mid-90s. Very different here. Yeah, Wheel of Fortune here in the States, like, since the show and the syndication, like, the theme song's pretty much been the same, but Alan Thicke's version is completely different. And they've still got Vanna White. It's still, it's ended here in Australia about, oh, just like about 16 years ago, but yes, it was a staple in about 5.30 in the evening here, just for the news. Believe it or not, it's still the highest rated um, syndicated program here in the States. And it's on contract until 2024. We are hinting that Pat Sejak and Vanna White, who are the two hosts of the show, they might be considering retirement, considering that they have been on the show for for about 40 years now. Wait a minute. Yes. Uh, well, there will always be seniors to watch us. I'm sure um, there will be an audience for a long time to come. Uh, Alan Thicke also wrote the theme song to Different Strokes, as I recall. Yeah. And The Facts of Life. Yes. Oh, Al's, Al's favourite show! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which was produced by Sony, I think, or Columbia. Yeah, Embassy, yeah. So all, all the all the shots and pot shots are taken at the Facts of Life, so it's just cross-promotion, really. <laughs> yeah, so Alan Thicke has got connections with, with all these people, and I think he was in David Faustino's show Starving that he did in 2009, because I, I think he was, he, they were good friends. Because when Alan Thicke passed away, 
uh, Faustino wrote a really nice tribute to him on Instagram. Yeah, I've read something about that. They they, they remain in contact ever since he appeared in the show. Yeah. Which is nice. I mean, he always seems like a nice guy. Absolutely. Yes, um, until he sadly passed away six years ago. Yes, he did. And that took uh, that, that took me by total shock. Oh, it's yeah, that here. was a surprise, yeah. I mean, he was playing, I think, oh, football with his sons. Hockey. Yes, right. And he was playing sports with his sons. And on December 13th, 2016, Vic collapsed while playing ice hockey with his son Carter at Pickwick Gardens in Burbank, California. Manager in the ring said he was talking and even joked to his son to take a photo as he was being wheeled out on a stretcher. Thick died later that day of type A erotic dissension at Providence St. Joseph Medical Center in Burbank. In, on December 19th, the cast of Growing Pains, including Leonardo DiCaprio, reunited at Thick's funeral. An, an eulogy given by his friend Bob Sagan and his son Robin. I think that's the same thing that John Ritter died of. Yeah, yeah, and Richard was even younger. He was only 55. Yeah, if that. Might have been 54, yeah. Yeah, it, it was the year he turned 55, I remember. Yeah. And I, I had a supervisor about, about 10 years ago. I had a supervisor. She was not even 40 years old. She wound up having something like this, but luckily she survived it. Hmm. Yeah, just goes to show anything can happen. Yeah, that that was a miracle for her because like, she thought like, I I I'm very lucky that I didn't make my husband a widow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like she's very lucky. Yes. So, um, we don't know Alan Thicke's character's name yet, but it's worth we do find it out in part three. But I'll just flag it now. His character's name is Mister Wright. <laughs> oh, of course. It's a bit on the nose, but. Yeah. Well, it fits in with this this point of marriage to children. Yeah. <laughs> but he's he's playing another rich guy. Except this time he's playing a car salesman. Yeah. Or a used car salesman, the, the, the better word of it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And there's nothing sus about used car salesman for a potential stepfather to Kelly and Bud, is there? <laughs> as long as he's got money, that's all that really matters. Well, that's all that matters to Peggy, especially. <laughs> but yeah um, oh my gosh uh, well Al tries the same trick Kelly and Peggy did but uh, some bird thinks he has a heart attack <laughs> an aortic dissection yes ah! looks like his diaper's coming off I know it's like, <laughs> what's, what's wrong? it's like what was Ed O'Neill trying to do in this scene uh, what what like I'm trying to think, how was this written, or how was it, or was he trying to act in a certain way? Well, I think because he saw what Peggy was doing, he's like, "I'll try that." And because you know he's a buff guy, so he's like, "Look at my chest." But then, of course, because he's an old man, everyone's like, "Oh my god, this poor man!" <laughs> what he should know is that it, it 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 works for women, but not for men. Yeah. And if men were to try that, you're on the you're um set yourself up for a sexual harassment suit. <laughs> yes. See. Also, uh, I need to check which promo I uploaded, but if you look at the promo for this episode, there's a character in it that we don't see in the episode. She's in, And if you know to look out for her, she's actually sitting at the bar next to Peggy, but to Peggy's left, further mm-hmm. down. So you, you only see her from the back. But in the promo, there's a shot of her turning around, like Al has chatted her up, and she's turned around and like she's an older lady. So... And and 
I, I suppose she's meant to look like Al was not expecting what she looks like. So she's in the promo, but she's not in the episode. And I don't think she's credited at all. So it's just interesting, again, that they put something in a promo that's not in the actual episode. Yeah, that would have really pissed me off if I'd seen that at the time because I'd be thinking, did I dream that? Did I imagine that? Yeah, which is why I think people say, oh, I swear this happens sometimes, but they've just seen something in a promo that was never actually in the episode. And, I mean, that's one of the things why it makes these promos so interesting to find because you do see all this extra footage and, and extra things sometimes and, 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 yeah, and stuff they've filmed especially as well. But, yeah, for this one, I'm like, who is this woman? Why is she getting a close-up? I mean, yeah, and even and they even had and they even went as far as uh, titling "Unmarried with Children." In yeah, quotes two hundred fiftieth episode. Yeah, they made it's the two hundred fiftieth episode. They tried to make an event out of it, but they they went a bit of a nerve for them to publicize a show that they were sort of trying to bury by this point. But then they thought, oh, okay, here's a reason to advertise it. It's 250 episodes. And they did celebrate 250 episodes. There's a couple of little behind-the-scenes clips that I've seen here and there. And they had a cake and everything. There was just so, like, a relatively minimal amount of coverage compared to, say, the 200th. I mean, even if the show wasn't declining, 250 isn't quite the same as 200. I mean, uh... Yeah, it's still... Yeah. The Simpsons, to quote another Fox show, they only really mark the, aside from the 138th episode, which was done as a gag, um, hmm. the um, 100, 200, 300, and so on. They only mark the hundreds, really. And as of right now, they have about 728 episodes. Cray-cray. Blimey, that's a lot. 33 seasons. Yep. I have not seen a new episode of The Simpsons. Uh, I stopped watching after season 17 when they aired here in 2006. So I've seen a scant few after that, but I've not seen half the episodes of The Simpsons now. I've stopped watching after seasons 12 or 13. The classic era. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'll go up to 14, but um, I've seen all the episodes up to season 13. 30 or 31 see i'm at least a season behind but after season say 14 or 15 i've only seen them once and a couple of i've seen twice but it yeah it just it started it definitely peaked and then apparently the last couple of seasons or the most recent season has actually been pretty good from what people say i mean these are people who are you know purists who just watch the classic era only and and well they might watch the new episodes, but they said it's kind of reverted to form a little bit or it's just better quality or something. You know, since COVID, they're <laughs> cranking out better episodes or something, but take with a grain of salt. Yeah, well, because I've got the first eight on DVD. Uh, I watched 13 to 16 new. Uh, so 1 through 12 I saw in reruns or in video or in DVD or comp, because they stopped airing season one here um, in the late 90s on in reruns. Hmm. And they stopped making DVDs after 17, didn't they? Or they, before 17? They start working up after 20, so you can get 1 to 20 in DVD. Oh, okay. After that, you have to rely on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> I'll stick with the DVDs, because I, I think that's even got the Michael Jackson episode on it. God. Yeah, I've got my original Season 3 pressing from Christmas of 2003. Yeah, I, I think like any DVDs made at, uh, like after, like, within the last year, to, to, like, those were made up to within the last year two or three years, we'll have the Michael Jackson episode on it. Anything made after that, like, we'll, 
that they basically taken the show out of their library. Like you can't find them online. You can't. Like, I don't think you can find it on TV anymore. But you, mm. can, uh, and I'm pretty sure they're going to be taking it out of future releases of DVDs. Which doesn't make a show complete. No, it does not. Uh, yeah. I'm a completist. I'll just say what, one brief more note on DVDs. I don't. I can't stand buying something that has complete season and then there's episodes missing. There's one season of South Park, the 14th, which has two of the biggest episodes in the show missing on the Australian pressing. You have to order, you have to buy the American DVDs to get the 200 and 201st episodes. Right. So yeah, Alan Thicke has met someone as beautiful as he. He sure has. And Bud and Kelly love Mum's new boyfriend. Oh, so that that's a that's a bonus. Got the approval of the kids. That's good. That's good. Of course, being bribed with free food. Of yes. course. <laughs> but then Al calls Kelly. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sorry, but Kelly cannot take a phone message to save her life. I thought she did pretty well, actually. For Kelly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God, I love Mom's new boyfriend. Oh. <laughs> I don't miss that. A guy who used to live here at all. <laughs> Hello? Daddy? Well, I'm sorry he's not here right now. Can I take a message? It's Daddy, Pumpkin. Daddy, Pumpkin. And a number where he can reach you, Mr. Pumpkin. <laughs> Sweetheart, is there someone there I can talk to with a brain stem? <laughs> Put your brother on. Okay. Hey, bud, you're really handsome. <laughs> I did it, Dad. <laughs> well, thanks for calling, Daddy. Oh, oh, before I forget, a Mr. Pumpkin called for you. <laughs> I mean, she was polite. She she tried to she asked for a number, but then you know, put your brother on. <laughs> <laughs> Just took it slightly literally. I don't see Kelly with a smartphone these days. Oh, that's something they could do in the animated version. They will, I'm sure. Everybody's got their own cell phones. But yes, Kelly can't take the message to save her life. <laughs> I missed a pumpkin call for him. Yes, it's the pumpkin. Yes, this is another one of those rare good mo- good moments in this episode. And where can we contact you, Mr. Pumpkin? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but what kills me is Al still got that wig on. Oh, yes. It's like, seriously, Al, there's something wrong with you. I mean, there was before, but now you're separated. You're just going from bad to worse with that stuff. Bear piece, wig, toupee, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, if you're going to wear that, at least take it off when you're at home with, by yourself. See, I'm bald, but I'm not bothered by my lack of hair. No, well, you're in good company. I mean, the the BAD chapter of the Married to Children podcast is, what, 80%? Yeah, I think of the main... main ho- let's see, yeah. Chris is bald, Steven's bald, I'm bald, Luigi's bald. Of the main host, only Tyler has hair. Of the guys. And I'm kind of bald too. There you go, fit right in. But yes, yeah, so I think it's only uh, Stefan, Steve, and Tyler who have hair. Uh, St- I think Steve considers himself part of the bald chapter. Bad well, chapter. 
I'll let him in. He can be the di- he can he, I'll, I'll, as president of bald Australian dudes. He can be in. Yeah, I just admit, like on the on the new uh, banner, the new logo that we have, not logo, the the header, the graphic. This <laughs> is the BADs are just all up there in the top corner of the nudity bar trying to get in. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember seeing that. <laughs> yeah, and then the, us us hairy people are in the actual bar itself. That's right. Yeah, there's Chris and there, I think there's Stephen, Luigi, and I think that, that's Matt with the Australian flag. Yes, me, all right. Yeah. Yes, me, all right. Yep. Who else is in that uh, on that balcony? Dan Chase. Oh, right, right from the uh, original podcast crew. And it must be JP, who's the one who's looking for the window, and and then Tyler on the left, who's who's waiting for his lap dance. <laughs> <laughs> And Jamie and I get seats at the table with Alex. Oh, there, you, oh, there you are, Annabelle. I thought, like, I, I, when I first saw, it, I was like, "Where's Annabelle? I never saw her before." <laughs> <laughs> I didn't ask them to put the fang shirt on me. That might have been something Luigi requested, but it seems to work. It's because I'm eventually going to do a female-only roundtable, so just chicks. And then there's Jamie with the box of weenie tots. Yes. Yes. And Jerry with the tangwitch, I think. Yes. Mmm, <laughs> tang. <laughs> so Al's going to wash his hair. <laughs> yes, he is. Uh, but uh, hang on, I think there's a, he's got a visitor. Uh, yeah, well, bef- well, that to say, bef- before his visitors come in, he says to Jefferson and Griff, all you need in life is buddies, beer, and an occasional dirt bath. All we really need in life is our buddies... Our beer, occasional dirt bath. <laughs> the women condition us to think we need them. We don't. All we need are each other. Yeah, apparently women condition men to think that they need us. Sure, why not? Yeah, sure, Al. <laughs> so the attractive neighbor is at the door. Bing dong. Yeah, and then... <laughs> Yeah, ding dong. <laughs> mm-hmm, ding dong. Uh, yes, of course, Al tells Jefferson and Griff to leave. Hi. I'm one of your neighbours. Are you busy? Get out! <laughs> are you throwing us out? I thought we were your buddies. Well, you are. That's why I'm throwing you out the door and out the window. I'm sorry to bother you, but I broke a heel and I heard you were in the shoe business. Can you fix this? Oh, of course I can. I fix these all the time. My wife, uh, I mean, my former wife, wears shoes just like these. Oh, are you divorced? I can be. Yeah, he doesn't need his buddies at all. No, piss off. And he, and they're lucky that he's, he's they're, that they're his buddies. Otherwise, he'd be throwing them out the window. <laughs> Onto the airport runway. Onto the tarmac, yeah. <laughs> here comes the here comes the four fifteen from Ottawa. Ah! <laughs> so this neighbor seems quite interested in him, and I'm not sure if she is just because she wants her shoe fixed mm. or not. I think she wants. Oh yeah, because Al gets a bit of a rusty shock. Before that, there's a brief moment I do like where Al describes Peggy. So. <laughs> what's what's your wife, your ex-wife, your former wife? Sorry, what's your former wife like? He said, "I'd rather not say." He said, "She's the fiery type, wiggles when she walks, can't get enough of me in bed." 
I that the wiggle when she walks thing that always tickled me. Yes, a good line. A good line. So uh, now let's jog my memory. Uh, there, there, was there a second person with uh, this um with, with the hottie um who, when Al's belted? You just see his arm. I thought there was a second person, presumably a guy, but yes, you just see his arm, and then Al is knocked out for knocked out for ten. Yes, well, he's big, mean, and built like an ape, so <laughs> we don't actually see him, but he's tall enough to stretch out his arm and hit Al smack in the face. Yes, he then falls into his waterbed, and then there's a punk which punctures it. <laughs> That's okay. I still talk about my ex-boyfriend. Would you like to know what he's like? Well, let me guess. (laughs) Big, mean, built like an ape. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for fixing my shoe. Yes. And I think the shoe punctured the waterbed. Uh, I think the script said it that, but the shoe and the hole don't entirely line up. No, they probably set up the leak in the waterbed. Yeah. And Al must have missed a spot. Must have, yes. But the, the point is the waterbed leaks, which means, well, it, it, part two ends in this rather grim note, much like part one ends on a grim note. Yeah, they're going for grim these aren't they well i mean i suppose it does suit the mood of these episodes and the show at this point because uh, to be honest i've seen every episode of married to children um minimum of three times yet these ones are some of the less memorable ones i haven't really stuck to my brain like when i talk about the show to friends or other people these episodes don't exactly come to mind mm. i was going to say something but i'll save it for the review same with me so this plane coming in what's this the the ten fifteen from australia <laughs> yep yeah, this plane comes in, and yeah, our episode basically ends here with uh, another to be continued. So you have to tune in for what was actually aired on the next week to find out how this trilogy ends. Indeed, he do. I will say, if I'd watched this first run, I'm sure. Uh, well, about to say, well, obviously, if if they split it in Australia, because obviously, if I watched the first run, I would have seen all three in one hit. But no doubt, if I, if they aired separately, I would have been itching a week literally itching a week to watch the conclusion. I was just going to say, I think I'm grateful that they aired it all together initially. Yeah. Yeah, the one thing they should have done during his original airing was air all three parts together. That way you can understand what uh, everything's going on. Yeah, they could have made a bigger event about it. So just to, just on a slight tangent, Carl, are you not a fan of two-parters in general or just this one? This is, believe it or not, this is actually, this three-parter is my favorite episode of the entire show's run. So, uh, but like, uh, but like a, a two-part, like, I, I, I am a good fan of two-parters, but like, um, I think this is one of the rare, one of the few times where we actually see both parts airing together. Like, I'm a good fan, I'm a good fan of the two-parters, as long as there's enough material to make them both worthwhile. Hmm. Just curious, that's all, because, I mean, there's there's many other two multi-part episodes in other shows, and, uh, yes, yeah, sometimes, uh, sometimes, especially when I was younger, as I mentioned before on this podcast, I would deliberately make myself wait the whole week before watching the second part, which had bad effects, including, you know, me not being able to think about nothing else but it. Torture. Self-inflicted, may I add. Yes, puzzling. 
Because I know Seinfeld and South Park, they both had like um, hangovers from like the season finale would be a cliff over uh, for, to the season premiere of the next season. You would have to wait uh, either the whole summer or a couple weeks at the very least to figure out what would happen. Yeah, South Park did that once, but then it did April Fool's Day prank at the start of season two. But they have had other multiplied episodes, but in the inside seasons, not between them. The only one between seasons was the Cartman's Mum episodes. That's what I was talking about. Yeah, I've, I, thought, I thought so, but just, um, yeah, there's no other examples in South Park. And of course, I don't, know if you've, I don't know if you've seen season 14 of South Park, Carl, but we found out Cartman's mum is someone else anyway. Well, I, 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 like that episode I have seen. And the, the Simpsons episode I was talking about was the one who shot Mr. Byrne. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, iconic. I actually vaguely remember seeing bits of that when it was first on here. Actually, I was only four or five, but I remember vaguely seeing bits of that when it was first on here. Yeah, I watched it when it was first on, and it was a long wait for the resolution. <laughs> they even made huge TV specials about it here in the States. Like, an, I think there was an episode of America's Most Wanted with, with John Walsh. Hmm. Like, he, they basically covered like a whole episode based on like they, they, they went through like all the different um, people that could have shot Mr. Burns. That's right. I've got it in the season seven DVD. Okay, it's in there. Yeah, it's in there as a special feature. Cool. No, ma'am, we'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. Okay, so, uh, Carl, uh, how many items of owls are you going to smash for this week's episode? Well, thank you guys for having me on the show. It was very nice to meet the both of you guys finally. Um, Basically, this is uh, this three-parter overall is my overall is my favorite show of the entire show's run, and the reason why is because it basically shows why Al and Peggy have been married this entire show's run, and like well, why they've been married all these years, and why these two were really meant to be together. And I know there's a couple of episodes that portray this same concept, but this is the one that best defines it, or at least the best defines it in my personal opinion. Uh, this. Overall, this was a pretty good episode, in my opinion. Um, the one, comp- the one thing that I have against it is that um, if Married Children had known that this was going to be its final season, I personally would have saved this three-parter for the series finale, because um, it basically, like, based on the nature of the episode, like you have Al and Peggy separating, and you're going to wonder, like. Are, are they going to separate? Are they going to separate for good, or are they just? Are they going to get back together, or how is this going to end? And um, a couple of favorite th- things I liked about this episode. First was um, Al was um, Marcy walking in and saying, "Al Bundy's gone away," and then Marcy knocking Jefferson out um, in the bar. Um, I am personally going to smash four and a half. Um, items of Al's with a hammer and with like oh, four items but blown completely to the spin of the reins and the other one I'll just smash halfway through. Well, 
Oh, a high praise there, Carl. Glad you li- glad you liked this episode, and it was great to finally record with you. So uh, thank you once again for c- coming on down. Uh, yes, and thank you for your insight on this week's episode. Now, uh, Annabelle, uh, how many items of ours are you smashing for this week? Well, <clears throat> after careful consideration and after reviewing the episode, my score has actually gone up half a point. So I'll save my rating for the end, but I have to start by saying I am not the biggest fan of this trilogy because for the main reason is I don't like it when Alan Pegg is are separate. But I completely agree with Mr. Wildcat when he says that this should have been saved for the finale or this should have wrapped up the show. And that's exactly what Stefan said last week. This would have been perfect for the season finale because then, because with these extra episodes afterwards, we can automatically assume that Alan Pegg are going to get back together. I mean, if it was the last episode, episodes of the whole series, they could have had fun with it. They could have said maybe they won't get back together. I think in our heart of hearts, we know that they will and they do. Um, So... For the middle episode of a three-part arc, it's not terrible. I I enjoy is not quite the word. I mean, there's a lot there's a lot of little bits that I enjoy in this episode, but overall, it, it's fairly meh for me. But it does sort of keep things ticking along quite nicely, and there's they've set up some things to resolve in part three next week. So I think that we know Alan Pegg are going to get back together, but the idea of them being split up in the first place is not something that sits right or comfortably with me. And much like last week, it, the it's made me sit here with my arms tightly crossed. <laughs> so it's, it's just then that's just a an automatic response. I'm like, hmm. So I I sort of I watch these episodes and I just I just take them as they come and the, like I said there are enjoyable bits in it yeah just the, the bits that we've talked about throughout the episode um, there's also probably something to be said for the fact that we've gone off talking about other things that are connected to the episode but we've we've sort of been talking happily about other topics but then again. They're things that were referenced in the episode, which um, kickstarted and stimulated that conversation. So it's a bit, bit of shove and a bit of pull. So it's whether that or not you see that as a good thing or a, or a bad thing. I, for me, it's very much middle of the road. It's nice to see Alan Thick again, and we do get more of him next week. Um, he, I think, after it's nice to see him play a bit of a bastard because of his growing pains you know, good, wholesome TV dad persona. It's always nice when guys like that play against type a little bit. Um, Al's hair, Marcy's hair, ugh. Um, Peg's hair is at least funny. And um, her, I mean, the, the veil over the phone is a, is a nice touch. And, and yeah, there is a lot to like in this episode. Um, Marcy glee at Al not being around is fun. Um for the most part, I mean, Peg um, in a bar is, is uh, I like the idea of each of them going to a singles bar, but they just seem so out of place, especially Al. I know he's sort of made up to, to look out of place. Um, but yeah, I mean, it works for a special event episode, but I don't think if the 250th episode was the last episode, I think it would have worked and had a lot more impact uh, for them, so for what it is, part two of a trilogy in what is 
not overly a great season. I honestly can't really give this episode more than two and a half items to smash. Well, thank you for your insight, Annabelle. Very detailed as always, and uh, very thorough, and I think on the money, which which you'll find out when you get to mine. Uh, Out of interest, what item of ours are you only half smashing? (laughs) 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 Uh, This is is a PG where you should show, I won't say. Okay, uh, I'm guessing you'll be the same, Carl. Which which half item you'll be smashing? His bowling trophy. Ooh! Ooh. Oh! Get him where it hurts the most. Don't tell Puggy Weaver. (laughs) His game ball. (laughs) (laughs) As for myself, okay, so as listeners would have noticed, and as Annabelle mentioned, we often went on tangents throughout much of this this week's episode, which, to to be bluntly honest, season 11 is my least favourite season, and uh, a lot of... A lot of the, I mean, there's still funny moments, but a lot of the writing just falls flat at this point. Uh, I mean, like I said earlier in this episode, uh, I've seen the entirety of Married to Children minimum three times each. These episodes I've now seen four times each, and to be rightly frank, uh, yes, I mean they 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 barely stuck to my mind. I don't even don't, didn't even remember half of it. Didn't I didn't even remember the um oh risky business um piss take or the airport jokes and that's the sort of thing that would normally stick to my mind so uh yeah i mean so in addition to carl and Anna, i mean in addition to what you said annabelle uh yeah i mean the writing wasn't the best uh, i mean these whole these whole um this whole trilogy so far has a bit of a morbid mood to it uh i mean when i last watched this i first saw this episode um in, I think, June of 2008, when I was 17. I've seen it since then, but I last watched it in December of 2020, and it wasn't in the best mood for numerous reasons. Uh, so I don't know that's a factor either. But uh, I can't give this any more than two and a half. I mean, there are far worse episodes. There are worse episodes and shows out there, but this is a long way from my favourite episode of Mirror to Children. Uh, so I stepped down from part one, too, I noticed as I was watching the episode before we recorded this. Uh, what will part three have in tail? Uh... I don't know, uh, but that's just my two cents for this episode. Two and a half things of ours that'll smash. As for the half thing I'll smash, uh, well, let's see. I think I'll be a bit kind. I think I might be a bit kind to Al and maybe just smash a packet of his weenie tots. <laughs> they grow to the dust anyway, so I'm doing him a favour. Yeah, just to, just open them up and they're smashed. Yeah. <laughs> just open them up and they're disintegrated. Yeah. <laughs> my weenies have been exposed. <laughs> well that that's 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 good um yeah uh it's interesting and and um it, it's great to have you on carl for this episode because i had a feeling that this episode would rate higher for you than it does for us being a fan of the later seasons um but uh, when you say it's your favorite of all uh, that's sort of surprising but at the same time i totally get it you know because you know, the one thing I love about the show, probably the most, I don't know, other than the overall humour, is Alan Pegg's relationship and how they are always destined to be together, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it makes total sense that that, that you would rate this episode so highly, uh, figuratively and literally. Um, but I think, as everybody has said, this would work so much better as a series finale and not a, a random episode and albeit a 25th anniversary special. But they could have made it 
an anniversary in the show itself as well. I mean, there's so many things they could have done and they went with a break a breakup. Just it feels like a ratings grab a little bit for the for a, a well, a show that is running out of steam much like Al's voice in this episode. They're trying to find a way to pick up like, like they're trying to find a way to salvage whatever's left of the show, in my opinion. And like uh, based on the remaining episodes you guys that you guys have left to review, like this is probably the one episode like this is probably the last episode I'd be given a high, a, a, um, a four or higher, in my personal opinion. Yeah, there's a there's another episode coming up I would rate higher. Well, maybe I'm not reviewing that one though, um, as far as I know. But uh, yeah, and they don't <laughs> see the the promos are really hard to find for season eleven because they're so few and far between. However, for for Dan Bundy's, for example, they went all out again for that because they made an an event. They made a night of it because they, because of all the special effects in the episode, it's because they were debuting the movie The Mask on Fox on TV for the first time. So they made an event out of that. So to do create that as an event for no other reason as a than a movie tie-in, that sort of takes away a little bit from this trilogy, or at least the first two episodes of this trilogy um, as an event for me personally, but um, a little bit as well. So I don't know. See, it's tricky. I mean, I just wish I could go back in time and say, no, just just fix up season 11 a little bit. And, and you know, people feel a bit tired and the episodes were shot out of order for the most part. And, you know, we don't entirely know what was going on behind the scenes and it's a whole new crew and um, an increasingly cast a cast who are getting increasingly tired but i don't want to be a downer this episode just feel like the trilogy and the idea behind it just feels like such a downer and we could talk about it till we're blue in the face and i'm sorry for prattling on and on but um mr wildcat while you're here and this is pr- probably sadly the only time we're going to chat with you um and i don't know if you're going to be on again before the end of the show's run so if there's anything else that you want to say about the show in general um, or this season in general, you can probably end up recording something for the wrap up show. But if there's anything else you want to um, talk about now, then, then be our guest. I'll be happy to Annabelle. So basically um, season 11, it turned out a little better than I expected. Like there's a, there's a couple of really good episodes. And even for somebody that's a big fan of the later shows, like I have to admit that there are some episodes in season 11 that are not as good. And especially in the position of where they are placed. So um, it was, it was a great honor to have worked with both you, Annabelle and you, Matt, uh, for, for the first time ever. And it's, it was also a great opportunity to have worked with the other co-hosts, Chris, Tyler, Steven, Luigi. Great to work with them all. I uh, want to give a special thank you to Alex Edwards, the um, original creator of the Marriage Chillin' Podcast. If, you got, if you're still listening, like uh, you have created such a wonderful product that I'm, I've been listening to for the last two years and counting, and I am still going back and listening to classic episodes. And you guys can also uh, feel free to come check me on my YouTube channel, Mr. Wildcat. Uh, I am reviewing season 11 at the same time that the podcast team is reviewing it. And I also going back and reviewing classic episodes at random from seasons 1 through 10. Cool. Nice. Yeah, well, it was, it was really nice to have you on. And like I said, we, we wanted to have you on before the show finished and at least get that opportunity to review at least one episode together. 
Yes, yeah, great, yeah, to have you, great to have you with us, Cole. I know there's a huge time difference between us, and I, I, it was such a great honor to have been able to get an opportunity to work things out where we can, where I can actually have the opportunity to work with both of you, because, especially you, Annabelle, because you are probably the, the, the most diehard fan of married children that I have ever seen. And I, re I remember, like, back when you did an episode with Luigi in season nine, I think it was that 25, the 25th wedding anniversary episode. Um, mm -hmm. You made some kind of, kind of reference, and you went on there, and you basically said, like, gee, I don't know, like, coming to the light, I think, is what it was. And I think, like, gee, I don't know what this was. I wonder if Mr. Wildcat would know. That took me by a huge shock. I, said, I am so honored that you would think of me to come up with something. Aww. Aww. I can't remember what it was now. <laughs> that, that's one thing. That's one thing I definitely remember because like, I went back and listened to it. And said, wow, I actually got recognized by the podcast team, and I even, and I haven't even met them yet. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I'm like, if you can't think of it, like, then maybe I should go. Uh, then there's chances are like nobody would know, but I would give it my best shot to go in and give it. Uh, uh, to try to get you an answer one way or another. Yeah, well, it's probably why I, I called you out. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. Way. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for that. That's very nice. Yeah, so thank you, Carl, for joining us. And, uh, yeah, so th thank you for joining Team Australia today. And uh, thank you, listeners, for listening to the Merida Children Podcast once again. Uh, well, Team Australia will be back again next week. Uh, hope you're not sick of us yet. I kid, I kid. With a uh, special, special guest host, Steve, from New South Wales, also in Australia, to review the final part, the conclusion of Breaking Up is Easy to Do. This is part three, so... In this episode, Al's having difficulty with just being single. Marcy's more than happy to share it with him that Peg is having a dinner party with a millionaire. Al doesn't believe it, so Marcy tells him that what Peggy wants is for Al to come to the dinner party. So if you want to know more what, more what happens in the conclusion to the to this um to this trilogy of Married to Children, be sure to tune in next week to the same Bundy time, same Bundy channel. You'll have a lot of day.